Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The second week of the English Premier League season is coming and gone. The Italian Serie A has kicked off. The Spanish Premier Division has kicked off. We've got a lot of Yanks abroad in action. And we got some issues, guys. I mean, Christian Pulisic, is he in peril? The second week in a row that he doesn't start for Chelsea. Weston McKinney, what is he made out of? After a report that he would be out for a period of time due to a shoulder injury, he ends up a few days later starting for Juventus in the home opener and, and playing the majority of the game and looking pretty damn good. We've got some other Americans that are on the bubble that are making a case, and we've got some Americans that we thought would be in the team uh, that have not hit the ground running to start the season. All that and more on this episode of the Yank Report. What's up? I'm Sam. This is the Yank Report, a show about the U.S. men's national team. This is our Road to Qatar series. It's a series where we talk about the players who are going to be impacting this U.S. men's national team as we head to Qatar in November. And that's important because we only have a few weeks before Greg Berhalter names his roster for the September friendly window, which will be the final dress rehearsal before November. And you got to think that if your name isn't on the September window roster, you probably are not going to have a very good shot of making that final November roster. So the next few weeks are incredibly important uh, for all these players looking to make a name for themselves in Qatar in November. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's start off at the top of the list with the star boy, Christian Pulisic, two weeks into the EPL season, and many U.S. men's national team fans Fears have been realized regarding Pulisic. He hasn't started uh, either of the games for for, uh, Chelsea, and he struggled to get minutes. Uh, He's coming in very late in games, too late to actually make an impact, uh, and and things are not going well. Chelsea ended up winning their first game of the season. They ended up uh, tying their second game of the season in very controversial fashion. If you watch the game, there were a lot of uh, really poor refereeing decisions. Uh, There were some VAR decisions that, that probably should have been made that didn't. I mean, culminating with that big hair pull uh, at at the end of the game. And then, of course, the scuffle between Thomas Tuchel uh, and Conte that has just been replayed. Uh, But as far as for for U.S. national team fans, um, this is a scary situation. This is kind of the situation that you don't want to see. For those fans that feel like Christian Pulisic is not valued by Thomas Tuchel, um, that seems to be have been realized in these first two games. Um, For for the fans that feel like uh, Chelsea's system just doesn't work for the attacking players. I mean, those fears are being realized in the first two games. Chelsea's uh, not scoring a ton of goals relative to the amount of talent that they have. And for those who feel like uh, Chelsea players do better outside of Chelsea, I mean, Timo Werner, the player who was at Chelsea for a couple of seasons and was just ridiculed to no end for not being able to score goals, comes out the first week for uh, RB Leipzig over in the Bundesliga and scores a goal, albeit a goal where he got a lot of help from the goalkeeper, but he did in fact score a goal, uh, which is leading a lot of people to come to the conclusion that Chelsea is just not a good destination 
for attacking players and certainly not a good destination for someone like Christian Pulisic, who seems to have fallen out of favor. Now, that is all the pessimistic side uh, for, of the discussion for why Chelsea, why, why Christian Pulisic should leave Chelsea. And there is a little bit of smoke to the fire as a report came out that Newcastle is looking for attackers and Christian Pulisic is among those players uh, that, that Newcastle is interested in. Albeit, they do say in the report that Chelsea might not want to let go of Christian Pulisic. And I think that's the beginning of the optimistic view of, of Christian potentially staying at Chelsea. And, and I think the main point is we've only been two games into the season. And, and I think if we look at soccer in general, if we look at EPL teams in general, how often is the attacking players that start the season the attacking players that finish the season? We got a whole lot of soccer ahead of us, and Chelsea's going to be making a lot of changes throughout the season in order to keep up with the amount of games that they play. And just because some things that they planned on won't work out, there's going to be injuries and things like that. And it seems like at this point in the season, Christian Pulisic is that next man off the bench in those attacking positions. So he's going to get his playing time um, eventually. I, I think the other thing that I look see whenever I look at Chelsea is that Mason Mount is still playing as a winger, more or less taking up a, a spot on the field that Christian Pulisic could play. But whenever you watch him actually play, he very rarely takes up winger positions. I don't know if this is a tactical move by Tuchel or just the way that Mason Mount plays, but he tends to drift back in the midfield and, and become a third midfielder as opposed to a third um, attacking player for Chelsea. Um, I, I wonder if at some point, especially since Kovalic is out and, and Chelsea's midfield just is not very creative in general, if at some point Mount moves back to that midfield, which opens up a spot for, uh, for Pulisic, and then you get to have uh, Sterling, Havertz, Pulisic, and Mount all on the field at the same time, I, I think it's an avenue worth taking if, if you're uh, Thomas Tuchel, uh, especially considering how few goals Chelsea has scored to start the season. And I think the other big thing that that has to be thought about with uh, Christian Pulisic in this situation is that he is on big money. I mean, he's getting paid a lot of money, and there's only a handful of clubs in the world that can actually pay for uh, Christian Pulisic's contract. Maybe Newcastle is one of those teams, considering they got uh, the new big Saudi money. Uh, they're the richest club in the world now, at least on paper. So maybe that is a destination for him. But it's not as if he can go anywhere right now and maintain the lifestyle that he has uh, over in London, which he, he it's at by all accounts, he's really enjoying his time in London. So I think it's it's more complicated than just simply saying uh, flicking a switch and have him go to like Wolves, for instance, or or Southampton or Leeds or some team like that, where he would get a lot of playing time. But I don't know if they could afford his salary, and and I don't know why he would uh, be interested in, in going down in lifestyle um, for after two games. It seems like um, he really backs himself to be a part of this Chelsea team moving forward. Uh, so at, at least in my opinion right now, I think he's very much in the mix for Chelsea, even though uh, we haven't seen him very much so far, and I think he's going to be sticking with that squad. In other news, Weston McKinney returned to action kind of miraculously uh, for Juventus after a report came came out saying that uh, he had a shoulder injury and he would be out for a period of time. It was thought that he was going to miss, I mean, the majority of August into September. Uh, and, and that was scary considering uh, the, the September friendly window coming up and whether or not he was going to be fit for that. Um, yeah, he is definitely because he's Weston McKinney and he, he doesn't feel injuries and he recovers faster than any human that we know of at this point. Uh, Weston McKinney 
it not only returns for the game, but he is on the starting sheet and is back to his old Weston McKinney self. I mean, uh, that player for Juventus that just brings the energy and, and is able to play on both sides of the ball, um, is able to cover a ton of ground and, and adds uh, some defensive might into the midfield. But also, if you watch the game, I mean, he got forward plenty and, and was pretty integral in a lot of the things that Juventus did. Juventus, to their credit, seems to have, at least early on in the season, found an answer at that striker position. And Angel Di Maria seems to have brought uh, a bit of quality in that absolute high-end, elite, top player um, category to this squad that I don't know that they've quite had in the last couple of years, at least in, in the attacking third. Um, and, and things look optimistic for Juventus moving forward. And the fact that Weston McKinney is right in the mix is only a good sign. Now, Paul Pogba is going to be coming back in, and there's going to be a little bit more competition. But it seems like every time there's a challenge uh, for Weston McKinney over at Juventus, he just rises and proves his worth again and again and again. So I'm, I'm very high on Weston McKinney coming into the season. Speaking of reasons to be excited... Chris Richards finally gets his EPL debut for Crystal Palace. Uh, Crystal Palace played on Monday against Liverpool. Uh, it was a big game where Liverpool gets a red card. There's an incredible goal by Luis Diaz. Uh, Chris Richards comes in kind of late in the game, is asked to play a uh, right wing back, uh, basically where Crystal Palace had all hands on deck defending. Uh, he comes in and has some nice moments. He, he got up and won some aerial duels. Um, I, he won a corner, actually, that, that was kind of good late in the game and and seemed to hold up well. The moment wasn't too big for him, which is good considering that Liverpool team with all that attacking talent was just bearing down looking for that go-ahead goal uh, against Crystal Palace. So that's that's a very good sign that in his second um, EPL game, the coach trusts him enough in that moment uh, to bring him onto the field. Uh, only good things moving forward for Chris Richards. Very, uh, I mean, it's it's imperative for the U.S. Men's National Team that Chris Richards gets some minutes um, and gets into form heading into World Cup qualifiers because the center back position is one of the weakest positions on the U.S. Men's National Team. We really need the best version of Chris Richards in November in order to be the best version of the national team. Uh, we just don't have... Uh, a ton of quality center back options. So the fact that he gets in in his second game shows to be a player that at least the coach has some trust in and could get some minutes moving forward is, is a very, very good thing for the U.S. men's national team. Now, it's not all good news. There are a few things that I'm putting in a category called time to panic question mark uh, a few players that we were really hoping would hit the ground running for their clubs uh, but just haven't quite gotten the minutes yet the first one I'm gonna go with is Luca Della Torre over at Celta Vigo now we knew coming into the season that uh, Celta Vigo did not acquire Luca Della Torre to be like an answer or a solution or the, the starting midfielder in their lineup they brought him in as a depth piece um, and and our hope was that he would show his worth and be able to get on the field so far he hasn't gotten on the field for Celta Vigo. Um, he, he's got no minutes for the club, hasn't made his debut yet. Uh, and, and that's, you know, it, it's not quite a, a time to panic or freak out yet, but we're kind of getting there because once again, we only have a few weeks before Greg Berhalter names his lineup. We only have a few weeks before September. And we really want Luca Del Torre, who we assume is going to uh, play a, a big role for the national team in, in Qatar, to be in form and to be getting minutes. The next one is going to be Gio Reyna, a player that is expected to play a major role for the U.S. men's national team. He has also not gotten any minutes yet for uh, Borussia Dortmund. Of course, Gio is coming back from that major 
major injury. Um, and, and and Borussia Dortmund is rightfully and responsibly taking it slow with Gio, um, not throwing him out into the deep end right away. But Gio did get some minutes in preseason. But now that the season has started, has not gotten any minutes. I'm not sure if he's even made a team sheet. I might be wrong about that. I'm pretty sure he didn't make the team sheet in the last game. Uh, for Borussia Dortmund. So that is a bit of a concern. Hopefully this is not a setback in the injury. Hopefully this is just Dortmund being very cautious and wherever he does start, because I believe he will. I don't think it's a situation like Luca De La Torre where we're worried about will he, won't he. Uh, it's certainly a situation where if he's healthy, he's going to be ready to go. Uh, but if he's healthy, that's the big question mark. We certainly hope that he's going to be ready for September and we'll finally get to see some semblance of a fully healthy U.S. Men's National Team. We'll finally get to answer some questions about where Greg sees uh, Gio Reyna in the lineup. In, in an interview with Alexi Lalas, he said that Gio could play that inside striker, that inside winger position, or he could play as an attacking midfielder. So it'd be great to see both those options and what they look like for the team. But all that depends on Gio being healthy and available. And so far, that's a bit... We're not quite there yet. We're not quite sounding the alarms yet. But I'm a bit concerned, man. I want to see Gio on the field, and it's not quite happened yet. Another player that's in a similar situation is Tim Weah. Tim Weah picked up a little injury, and he's not been available for Lil to start the season. Uh, So the early reports are this is a small injury, and he should return soon. But just like Luca De La Torre, just like Gio Reyna, just like Chris Richards, we want to see these players playing and in form because this is where it's really important that these players are playing and in form. We're very, very close to that World Cup, and we're very close to that September window, the final dress rehearsal before the World Cup. We want to see that full-strength team in action. Tim Weah was just such a massive part of World Cup qualifying, picking up a couple of goals and setting up a bunch of goals. Another player yet to make his debut is going to be Serginho Dest. And Serginho Dest is in a wildly different situation. Serginho Dest is in a, in a situation over at Barcelona where we know that they're they're struggling to register players, that they've got severe money issues, that they are um, they're they're triggering their their what do they call them their their financial levers in order to just pay the bills um, and, and go after these players. Uh, it, it looks like anybody that isn't uh, tied down to the floor over at Barcelona is is. Is a player that potentially could be on the outs, and it sounds like that's happening with Serginho Dest. At the same time, we've heard that ever since Serginho Dest arrived at Barcelona, that he's potentially uh, on the transfer list, but we'll see. But we, we know that w- with Barcelona just in dire need of relieving some of their financial burden, uh, that Serginho Dest is a player that that certainly is is one of the likely candidates to get a move out. There's connections with him to Manchester United, which is kind of a scary thought considering where Manchester United is at this point. Uh, but Serginho Dest is one that I'm thinking um, if there's a scale of like will he go versus won't he go, you know, I'm I'm kind of tending more towards the I think he's on the way out of Barcelona. That looks like the way things are trending right now. We know that once he hits the field that everything's going to be fine. It's just a matter of when he's going to hit the field and for who at this point. Uh, I I think regardless of what happens with Serginho Dest, he's our starting right back uh, as long as he's healthy. Uh, Last but not least in the player uh, that that maybe is in the time to panic category, Ricardo Pepe. Man, Ricardo Pepe was a player that we were really hoping would uh, utilize the summer offseason with Osberg to 
um, kind of galvanize his position in that team, uh, become either the starter or a player that's really relied upon for as like a super sub or something like that. So far, it hasn't really happened. He's gotten some garbage time minutes for uh, Osberg early on in the season. Um, and, and while he's been okay in those garbage time minutes, it's certainly not what we were hoping for. Certainly not what we were hoping for whenever he made the big move to Osberg. I don't think it's what Osberg were hoping for either. Uh, so really disappointing start to the season for Ricardo Pepe. Again, we have a lot of um, uh, time ahead of us for Ricardo Pepe to uh, get into uh, that that situation for Osberg. Like his career is not over at this point. He's got a big future ahead of him. Unfortunately, he doesn't have a lot of time ahead of him whenever it comes to the national team. Um, and, and with some other players kind of playing well, being informed, vying for that striker position, uh, which e- with each week that goes by where Ricardo Pepe doesn't start, doesn't score a goal, doesn't show that he can be that striker for the national team, it seems like it's getting further and further away. And he's sort of drifting from the, uh, the, the, the maybe pile of players to the long shot pile of players. And that's really disappointing because, boy, we were so caught up in, in the Pepe train and, and everything that he brought to that table uh, after that Honduras game and after the Jamaica game and, and after he was just, just a breath of fresh air and, and just a really exciting player. That, that's still all in Ricardo Pepe, but he's got to show it pretty damn quickly uh, in order for him to win a seat over to, over to Qatar. And I'm just not confident that's going to happen right now. Of course, we have to talk about Leeds, right? Uh, Leeds, uh, Leeds United States of America had a bit of a topsy-turvy game. Um, they come out to a two-goal lead, uh, and everything is looking great in the first half. Brendan Aronson is bursting into, in, into space and being his regular Brendan Aronson self. I think Tyler Adams had a really great game for 90 minutes, but certainly in the first half he did as well. But it was a tale of two halves and probably a tale of the first 60 minutes in the last 30. Um, you know, the, the way that Leeds plays, the question is always going to be how long are they going to be able to keep up this relentless pace? And I think that we saw that Leeds hit a brick wall uh, about the 50 to 60 minute mark where they just ran out of energy. And I think on, on the flip side, I, I think their opposition really started to uh, kind of stop playing the transition game with them and kind of sat back and kind of let Leeds have possession. And we saw that instance that we talked about last week with Brendan Aronson where he's tremendous whenever he's in transition, whenever he's pressing, whenever he has space in front of him. But if he's going up against a dug-in defense, does he have the creativity? Does he have the ability to take players on whenever they're dug in? That's that's sort of what what we question about Brendan Aronson and the area for that player to grow. And I didn't see it in this last game. Um, So I think it was definitely a tale of two halves. Jesse Marsh is certainly going to come under criticism for not bringing subs in early. It was pretty clear that that lead side was just absolutely listless and out of gas. And Jesse didn't bring in the reinforcements until way late. Um, I... Part of that probably goes back to the fact that Leeds is a side that I think is pretty top-heavy when it comes to players. I don't know that they have the quality of depth uh, that a lot of other Premier League teams do. So maybe that explains why Jesse was a little um, uh, skittish whenever it came to making changes. But I think that certainly impacted the uh, the outcome. Uh, Leeds concede the late uh, equalizer and they get a draw, uh, which is disappointing considering, you know, we really want Leeds to stay up and in the EPL, every point matters. Uh, so disappointing second game for Leeds. Still see a lot that we like from uh, um, from Brendan Aronson. Saw a lot that I like from uh, Tyler Adams. I think it was a vintage Tyler Adams performance. Uh, but we move with with one win and one draw so far for Leeds.
Finally, let's get to the long shot category. I, I don't know how comfortable I am calling either of these players long shots. I think they both have a pretty decent shot of making the national team if things kind of go well for them. Uh, the first one is certainly the longer shot, and that's that's uh, Matthew Hoppy. Matthew Hoppy came in for his debut with Middlesbrough. It was past the 90th minute. It was a very late game sub, uh, so not enough time to really make an impact on the game. But it's always a good sign that, you know, you he just arrived at the club and, and the manager's already looking to get him involved and get him um, acclimated, get his debut, kind of get take that monkey off of his back uh, so he's not thinking about when am I going to make my debut uh, moving forward. So that's a good sign. I actually had a dream last night about Matthew Hoppy scoring a goal where he picked up the ball from midfield and just outran everybody like, he, like it's a FIFA goal uh, and just scored a break. So let's see if that manifests. If it does, then you can come back to this video and be like, dude, that, that guy, that guy's an oracle. As far as Hoppy's ability to make the national team in the striker position, um, I mean, we already talked about Ricardo Pepe, about how he's kind of sliding right now, and it's just unlikely that he's going to get called in in September. We'll see. Maybe his previous performances with the national team uh, give Greg Berhalter uh, a reason to bring him in, but I'm not so sure at this point. Uh, so Matthew Hoppy is in a position where if he starts getting starts and, and he starts showing uh, that not only can he be an effective striker, but I think more importantly can show that he can be the type of striker that Greg Berhalter uh, needs that, that fits in his system that that works for the rest of the national team I think he's got just as good a shot of anybody else to uh, to get called in uh, I think elsewhere we saw Jordan Pifok for Union Berlin um, I, I think Pifok is a player that we're going to talk about whenever he scores goals but whenever he doesn't score goals there's just not a lot to his game that we're going to talk about if you watch that game I only watched it for <laughs> like half hour because I got a little bored there uh, but He's just he, he plays a, a game that, that's kind of an old school game um, in Jordan Pivak where they're just kind of lumping it up to him. Um, I, I saw him have like 10 touches and probably only two of those were with his feet. The rest were with his head and with his chest. Um, and, and that's sort of just the striker that he is. They're going to lump it into the box and sometimes he's going to get goals and sometimes he's not, uh, which is, doesn't really translate to what Greg Berhalter wants to do with the national team. Uh, but considering the situation where, that we're in where nobody else is stepping up, it, it might be Jordan Pifok's opportunity there. I think the last player that I want to talk about in the long shot category, who honestly I don't know is much of a long shot right now, but I didn't really know where else to put him, uh, is Malik Tillman. Malik Tillman has hit the ground running for Rangers. He's been very involved with what they're doing early on in the season. He's put himself in a position where after that that summer friendly window, whenever he got his debut with the national team and we got to kind of see where it was, it was like, a, uh, I, this is okay, but I don't know if it's good enough to get brought into the national team. I don't know. Whenever he goes back to uh, Bayern Munich and he's just kind of a, an academy player, uh, if he's just playing for like uh, the, the, the Bayern 2 side or whatever it is, I don't know if that's going to be good enough. All of a sudden, with what he's doing with Rangers, he's kind of put himself in a different conversation where you kind of look at the 25th, 26th players on the U.S. men's national team roster and you start to ask yourself, would we rather have Malik Tillman over, you know, Christian Roldan or Jordan Morris or Paul Areola or some of these guys that are on the back half of the roster? Can Malik Tillman offer more than some of these other guys? And and he's making he's certainly making a case for himself uh, as to why he should be on on the plane to Qatar. Um, he's certainly one to pay attention to. Uh, so I, I do think that 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 is a relevant and valid 
uh, point that he's making over in Scotland for Rangers and that it's definitely something that could impact the national team moving forward. Uh, and it's something that I'm definitely going to consider whenever I make my next uh, World Cup World Cup roster predictions and something that I'm very interested in to see whether or not Greg brings him in in September, how he utilizes him in September, um, and whether or not he's going to be that guy, sort of the back the back last three players on the plane uh, to Qatar moving forward. Really interesting. So that is my road to Qatar recap. I'm curious what you thought. What do you think was the biggest storyline of the weekend? I know a lot of you are very into Leeds right now and everything happening with Leeds. I know a lot of you are very into uh, the Pulisic situation, what's happening there. I, I saw a big thread on, on U.S. Soccer Reddit about Christian Pulisic has to leave, and and, and that that's a big storyline right now. Um, and then Weston McKinney, what his miraculous injury comeback. I mean, what can you say about that guy? If he's not your favorite player on the national team right now, he's probably your second favorite player or at least your third favorite player. He's just an impossible guy not to like. Uh, but anyway, guys, thank you so much for watching. Let me know what your thoughts on the weekend that was in the comment section. Uh, as always, si puede hablar espanol, déjame un comentario en espanol. If you want the Vamos Estados Unidos shirt, this shirt goes on sale this weekend, August 21st, Saturday. Be ready. Uh, it's available in like four different colors, so check it out on the Since 76 Apparel website. If you want the Anchor Porton Podcast form, you can get it anywhere that you find podcasts. Thank you guys so much for watching. Like the channel. Subscribe to the channel. If you really want to support the podcast, you can become a member. Shout out to the Tier 2 members uh, who really uh, help make this this channel possible, uh, who help keep the lights on and keep the thing going. Uh, Thank you guys so much for your support. My name is Sam, and this is the Yank Report brought to you by BetOnline. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.